Hello, and welcome to Dark Rose Fiction, Episode 3. First of all, I believe I owe a formal apology to anyone who's listened to my podcast in the past, seeing as I haven't updated since probably before the beginning of summer. The fact that I don't remember the last time I updated just goes to show exactly what a sad state we're in. But, never fear, all you Dark Rose people out there, because I have one story written, which is the one you'll hear today, and two more in the works. And all of them are just magnificent works of fiction, if I do say so myself. Uh, You may have noticed that I'm not going with the dramatized skit at the beginning of the show. I think it's just too time-consuming, and you all want to get to the fiction. You don't want to hear me rambling like I'm Russian or Transylvanian or whatever. Uh, You may also have noticed the new theme music that I whipped up today using uh, GarageBand version 5. It's a nifty little program that came with my Macintosh computer, and I used it to uh, make a spooky theme song. But enough about the podcast. Why don't we get down to today's story? It's an interesting tale about unwanted guests. It's called Of Mice and Men. The book from which these excerpts were taken was found in the pocket of William Mitchell. January 4th, 2007. Those mice are at it again. Today I found holes chewed in the corners of more than a few boxes and a pile of the telltale minuscule droppings on the third shelf of my cupboard. I have been prompted to keep this journal of my layman's attempts at stopping this infestation so as to maintain a strict record of my failures and successes. A mystery remains in regard to the sign left on the shelf, for I can find no conceivable way for the vermin to reach so high a location unless there's a hole hidden somewhere beyond my sight. Tonight, I leave traps next to the open boxes of cereal. I won't touch the stuff now that the tiny baiters have despoiled it. January 6th, 2007. The clever brutes have continued their raiding of my cupboard, Although the traps baited with cheese and peanut butter, a trick I read of on one website or another, remain untouched. Droppings have appeared on two more of the shelves. January 11th, 2007. In a most infuriating turn of events, the traps which I have freshly baited every night with an almost religious fervor have today turned up empty of their previous night's contents. There are larger holes in the defiled cereal boxes. January 15th, 2007. Today I saw one of the brutes for the first time. I was just returning from my place of work, and I opened my cupboard in the hopes of finding a tiny corpse broken by the spring-powered clamp on a Tom and Jerry-esque mousetrap, only to be greeted by the cool, calculating stare of two minuscule black eyes and that smug, whiskered face. As if to add insult to injury, the furry little monster clutched the wedge of cheddar cheese purloined from the very trap by which he now stood. Not thinking, I lunged for the mouse, only to be rewarded for my efforts by the snap of the trap as it closed on my finger. 
By the time I had recovered my calm, the mouse had vanished. Tonight, I try poison. January 16th, 2007. These creatures are far more aggravating than I could have imagined. Today, I opened the cupboard to find the boxes of poison spilt and their contents swept to one side in a neat pile. More droppings. Every shelf has now been violated. January 21st, 2007. Today, I saw two mice outside of the cupboard for the first time. They were standing in the center of the kitchen floor like conspiratorial siblings caught stealing cookies. Dangling from their thieving little front paws was what I first surmised to be a length of black string, but which was actually the power cable of my now late blender chewed off close to the base of the fateful old apparatus. As the fiends vanished behind the butcher's block, the bulbous power plug bobbing behind them, I cried aloud and dashed towards them. Much to my surprise, there was no sign of the minute robbers save a small pile of droppings, a vile calling card. Tonight, I bought more traps to place under the stove and in other possible hiding places. January 30th, 2007. These animals shall drive me to drink. I've not written over the last few days as my mind has been occupied by the continued disappearance of the electrical cables from my television, food processor, and toaster oven in that order. The raiders within my own home have also made off with any spare bits of metal or wire I leave within their reach, which seems endless. February 2nd, 2007. I am now convinced that the animals are fixed to end my life. This morning, I was called away from my morning cereal by a ringing phone, only to return to the chewed-off end of a power cord dipped hazardously into my cereal bowl. The whole end of the wire was plugged into a wall socket, pumping enough electricity to run a blender into my bowl. Tonight, I will call off from work and stalk my would-be assassins in the dark. February 3rd, 2007. My first night with the mice has turned up with very little in terms of results. The thievery of strangely mechanical objects continues. February 5th, 2007. The thievery continues. Droppings in more places than before, although this is no surprise. February 8th, 2007. Four of the devils marched right past me today, carrying between them a 12-inch carbon steel ruler. I was too exhausted to raise a finger against them as they vanished into the hall. Tonight, I vow to end this villainy, if I have to rip their foul little heads off one by one. February 8th, 2007. Additional entry. It is late, and my hand shakes so I can barely write. I have seen a sight more terrible than you could imagine. I am driven to question my own sanity. The sight was so fantastical, I have trouble believing it to be even possible. During my nightly vigil, as I stalked my quarry through the house, I noticed a pinpoint of light coming from the corner of my wall-mounted thermostat, which had been missing a screw for nearly one year. My curiosity aroused, I stepped up to the unit, my slippers making little noise on the floorboards as I stepped closer and pressed my eye to the hole. What I saw was deeply shocking. Bright light shone from a single light bulb that hung from a framework of wire and metal bars. A platform suspended beneath this light housed about five or six mice, all of them bent over constructions resembling the consoles on the bridge of the USS Enterprise of Star Trek fame. One of the little monsters was standing in front of a six-inch square flat-screen monitor on which an animal I believe to have been a hamster could be seen, superimposed over a picture of Russia. The chief mouse completed his conference and the screen switched off as he turned and set his beady eyes directly on me. I staggered back to my room, dumbfounded, 
and so here I sit, writing what I am now sure will be the last entry of this journal. My mind is made up to rid myself of this plague once and for all. I shall kill them all this night, and I'll begin tomorrow refreshed. I will not write again. Goodbye. The police found William Mitchell's body on the dining room floor of his suburban home. He appeared to have been electrocuted to death, as evidenced by the petrified state of his body, as well as the steel-handled hatchet that protruded from the wall. Wacko must have hit a main line, one of the cops remarked as an EMT zipped up the body bag. The other officers murmured in agreement. As they went about their investigation, they were unaware that they were being watched. From beneath the heat register, two beady eyes kept an unblinking vigil, watching and waiting. That was Mice and Men. Uh, an interesting story. One of the more original concepts I've come up with for the show. Uh, I suppose it's not so much horror fiction as psychological fiction. Either way, it's alright. Uh, next week's story will be one of two things. It will either be a uh, spooky tale called What Bernie Saw... Or another surreal story like this one called Hand of Six. Until then, this is John Newman of the Dark Rose Fiction Podcast signing off. <laughs>